Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 196. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Yo, what is going on, all you unstoppable restaurant professionals? Thank you for joining us today. Before we get started, we have to thank today's sponsor, Hot Schedules. Since 1999, they've been laser-focused on giving restaurants the best tools to help us manage our people, improve productivity, and they do it all from a platform that fits your business. Visit go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable to learn more. So with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guests, Allison Arevalo and Aaron Wade. Thank you, ladies, so much for joining me. Thank Thank you so much for having us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Please tell me you are feeling unstoppable today. We are feeling unstoppable. (laughs) Yes, awesome. (laughs) So, opening homeroom was a dream come true for Allison and Erin. Before becoming restaurant owners, both were working boring corporate jobs while daydreaming about one day opening a restaurant. After meeting at a busy Oakland cafe one fateful rainy day, they decided to quit their cushy jobs and sink their life savings into a mac and cheese restaurant. And good thing you guys did, because you've had such incredible success thus far. I can't wait to dive deeper into your stories. But let's get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you have for us today? (laughs) (laughs) You caught us a little off guard. I know, that's a... Yeah, I actually think it would be interesting to see what we both think on that one. I mean, this one is maybe a little bit uh, cheesy, but I think you hear it a lot because it's true. Um, But, you know, this idea of really, you know, following what you're passionate about and what speaks to you, um, you know, because I think, you know, we both had these jobs that we didn't really enjoy that we felt like we were supposed to have and they were safe and stable. And, you know, um, when we talk to people who are aspiring entrepreneurs, they're always, you know, saying that (laughs) we have sort of the luxury of having success behind us to say Mm -hmm. that it was a good move to go ahead and do this. But I actually think that the truth is, even if it had been an abysmal failure, I think we would still be really, I mean, maybe not happy we had done it, but I think happier than had we not done it. Mm. And um, it's just because it's so much better to have tried something and really given it a go because you sort of only really have one life to to live and and to take those chances and to experience things. Um, And so, you know, in hindsight, I think both of us regret not having taken a plunge like this earlier um, in our lives. So, I mean, we're grateful. We're not, we're not that old. We have plenty of time ahead, but you know, why did we waste all those years doing things Mm -hmm. we didn't really like doing? Um, so yeah, I would recommend to people that whether you're successful or whether it failed, I think you'd be happier either way, having taken the chance than than not. So that would be, that would be mine. Allison, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I would say just, you know, have a plan and go for it. I think that, um, one of the smartest things that we did when we opened is we really, you know, we had a solid idea of what we wanted. We had a business plan. We, it was well thought out. We talked to other restaurant owners. Um, I think that maybe a mistake that other new restaurant owners may make is that they just don't do the research ahead of time. They don't have a plan and they're just so obsessed with the food side of things that they, you know, don't do enough research on the business side of things. Mm -hmm. So and not that we, you know, excelled at that either. I mean, we opened with an operating budget that was maybe a quarter of what we should have opened with. <laughs> and, you know, we, you know, we wish we, we sort of planned things a little better. But, um, but yeah, I just think that, you know, people maybe are just too afraid to take that leap. But as long as you do the research and you have, you know, and you have a plan that you're proud of, then go for it. Awesome. I love the direction this interview is already going in. Just like to summarize, you know, follow what you're passionate about. Don't go your whole life 
wondering what if and just you know have that plan and take a, ch- a chance and a risk and just go for it uh great words to get started and let me ask you what is your why what are your passions why do you do this like what was it that pushed you to take this chance and to go for it well, I think that besides that we both had, you know, a passion for food and we both, you know, always wanted to open a restaurant, it was also that we wanted to create a workplace that people would be excited to to work in. I and mean, we both really had crappy jobs before this and we worked in places that, you know, didn't respect employees and weren't, you know, they didn't give people the work-life balance that they deserved and just, you know, places that you didn't want to go to every day. And we really wanted to create a place that, um, people love to work, that we respected our employees, that we would train them and teach them and help them grow in their lives and also and also at work. So I, that was a big a big factor for us is really to create to create an awesome place for our employees to work. Oh, I love and it. you know, we started with fourteen employees and now we have almost eighty five. Wow. So we're really yeah, and we're you know, we're really proud of the of the business that we that we created and the jobs that we've created for all of these people. And that was uh Allison speaking. Yeah. Okay, I'm starting to get yeah, you guys and, sound so much alike. Uh, <laughs> do you have anything to say to that? Aaron, I was going to uh, add that I think, um, you know, I, I think that what has been interesting about this journey, too, is that even though that is something that was super important to us from the start, I mean, our first, like, Craigslist ad for employees was, like, very, very utopian, I think that a lot of our passions actually really emerged along the way and are really different than what brought us to start the business in the first place. Wait, so real I think quick, that, what did that Craigslist posting look like? <laughs> I'm curious. <laughs> I mean, it was really like that we wanted to be the best place that someone had ever worked, that it was going to oh, be different, awesome. that we were going to like listen to people, that we wanted their input, that it was going to be inclusive. I mean, it was basically that we were going to like change the world with macaroni and cheese and I mean, we had, you know, hundreds of people actually come to these open interviews that we held, and they were eight hours long, and the line stretched down the block, and we each separated and only interviewed people for five minutes apiece, and it still took over eight hours to get wow. through the entire line. It was insane. So I think that people are – other people are moved by that message <laughs> as well, which is which is really cool. Um, and I'm sorry to interrupt, Aaron. I just really wanted to hear that. Can you try to pick up where you left off? <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I was going to say, as Allison was saying, we both got into this because we just love food and we love restaurants. And, you know, we wanted to have this space that the community would come to that would feel exciting, that we could be a part of. But a lot of our other passions and purpose actually just emerged along the way from opening it, you know, whether it is really creating this great place for people to work or, you know, really falling in love with business and finding actually that that's really exciting and really interesting and challenging in ways that, you know, we hadn't really thought of from the outset. Mm -hmm. Um, So I was going to say that that's sort of the other (laughs) reason I would offer to people not to, like, overthink taking a leap to their passion too much because the truth is until you actually try something, you also don't really know what it going to look like mm-hmm. and i mean i think that we both feel really fortunate that like our jobs today are so different than what we ever imagined them to be and we feel really lucky that we happen to like what that is but when opening a restaurant if you had asked us like oh are you really excited to like be business people to you know think about to like read business books on <laughs> this side you know to think about things like efficiency and strategy and all that like i, I would have been like maybe i mean <laughs> uh I think you just don't know until you're doing something and then you get really caught up in what's exciting about it, you know, but you can't really do that if you're, if you don't give it a shot. Yeah, for sure. And what's really cool too, about just learning all these new things about efficiencies and being better in business is when you make it your, your why, your purpose to create a place that's good and to mentor other people to, you know, create that culture, that environment to employ others. But then when you learn all these new things, you get to teach those new things to people. And that must be so rewarding for you. That must be one of the, the angles that maybe is why you're constantly learning new things and being more passionate about what you're doing. Yeah, I, this is Allison speaking. We also, we're one of, I think, the few or one of the only restaurants in the area that do um, open book management. Oh. So we, you know, yeah, so we like open up our financial books to our employees. Every week we have a meeting that we call recess where all of our employees are invited, all of the managers come, and they all see 
pretty much what it's like to run a business. Um, our managers all track a different financial metrics. You know, someone tracks labor costs, someone tracks food costs, someone tracks ticket times, or, you know, we have all of these different metrics that really um, show how well the business is doing on any given week. And we just, you know, we teach people what it means. We teach people, you know, how to track it. And Allison, it, I, I want to come back to this because it's super important. Sure. And I think we have a great opportunity to dive deeper later on in the interview. But thank you for going there because okay. it's a great thing to talk about. But before yeah. we, we move on to that topic, I really want to dive into when did you know take us through that moment uh when you knew that you were going to leave your careers to pursue this passion this dream of yours and it sounds like a really interesting story from what i can gather doing my research on you yeah well, this is a uh, aaron speaking um you know for me i wish i could tell you that it was like i um i mean i had been thinking about opening a restaurant for a really long time like i was an attorney and even before i went to law school i like tried to convince my parents to invest money they had set aside for graduate school to open um, a restaurant. So it had been on my mind, and I knew I was really unhappy, and I sort of wanted to leave. But I I mean, in law, they call it the golden handcuffs. It's like you make a lot of money, and it's sort of miserable, but it's stable, and so you sort of do it. Um, so for me, that, that moment was actually getting fired. Mm-hmm. It was like I was working this corporate job that I really didn't like. And so I wasn't trying very hard. And it's the kind of place where, you know, people jump and you need to constantly be like, how high? And that's Mm. just a huge part of the expectation. And it wasn't there for me. So um, I had never been tired from anything in my life. Uh, So it was a big wake-up call where I was like, okay. And I had other offers to do law at other places. And I was like, do I really want to do this or should I take this as the golden opportunity that it is to pursue this thing that I actually really do want to do. So, um, I think that was my, that was my kick in the butt. And then I think that same week I approached Allison and asked her to go have coffee with me and see if she wanted to do this. Which is great because you you guys didn't really even know each other. I guess I'll let Allison tell her side before we really dive into the, just what seemed like just total like fate. I, I don't know, but here, I don't want to tell the story. I'll let you, I'll let you guys do it. Go ahead, Allison. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it it definitely was fate. I mean, I would say a few months before I met Aaron, you know, we were just sitting at a cafe with our husbands when we met. But a few months before that, I moved to California from New York, you know, sort of like another big leap in my life. I, uh, My husband and I got married a few months before that. We were working, you know, a marketing job. We actually worked together. And we were just so tired of living in New York and the stress and you know, it was always on my mind to open a restaurant, and I could just never imagine actually doing it in New York because of, you know, just so many factors being against me there. So one day, like, my husband and I just quit our jobs, and we packed up our car, and we just drove out west to find someplace else to live in California. That's awesome. Um, and then a couple of months, yeah, like a couple of months after that, I met Aaron, and we, you know, hit it off, and we started talking about, you know, fast. And we both wanted to open a restaurant. When I moved here, um, I got another job in marketing, which I really, I hated. It was, like, <laughs> really taking the toll on me every day to go to this job. But, you know, I had, I had to do it. So when Erin um, called me that day and she told me that she got fired, and she's like, well, what do you think? Let's do it. And I was like, hell yes. <laughs> so... From that moment on, it was pretty much a year after that phone call before Homeroom opened. But yeah, and I, you know, I kept my job for a little bit longer while we were plan- while we were in the planning phase of the restaurant. But it was a very exciting day when I was finally able to give my notice and put that. Um, How did that feel when that you guys, when you both like take me through that feeling when you you quit and you knew, you know, there's no turning back. You know, it's like when you that saying, you burn the ships, right? Like you get to where you're going, burn the ships because there's no going back. I would like to tell you that that was actually a better story. And for me, because I still had my, my job when Aaron and I decided to do this, the day that I quit my job, we were just about to sign a lease in a, um, at a restaurant space in uptown Oakland. We were heavily invested in this space. We loved it. We were really excited about it. The day that we were going to sign the lease, I quit my job. Went into my boss's office. I was like, I'm quitting. I'm opening up a restaurant. She's looking at me like I'm freaking crazy. Like, I had no <laughs> idea this was coming. So... And then I stupidly did that before we signed the lease because right after that, when we went to the meeting, the landlord that we were going to be dealing with changed all the terms. She basically, it's like she was really, you know, giving us a very crappy deal and we had to walk away from it. 
So now it's like, oh, great, I have no job. We have no lease. What the hell are we going to do? <laughs> and we only scrapped the whole project because we really didn't think we could afford anything else. There was no other spaces that we were even looking at. And we were really doubting ourselves. We really thought, like, all right, maybe this is it. Maybe we both just need to, like, you know, move on and, and, and not do this. Um, but luckily, we found a space that's way better. And, you know, we own it. We don't have a landlord, which is, awesome. uh, yeah, pretty amazing. But, yeah, it was so good with that story of, like, my triumphant quitting of my job. But. <laughs> and that was Allison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you want to add yeah, anything to that? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that I wish I could tell you that it was, like, this really exhilarating and exciting time, which I guess it was. But, honestly, it was, like, coded in <laughs> fear and embarrassment more than <laughs> anything else, you know, because... Like, our, I don't know, like, neither of us had very much money to do this, like, really a fraction of the amount one should mm. spend to do a restaurant. And so if we failed, it was like both of our, you know, families would sort of be ruined. So that was really scary. And then, you know, also there's just, I mean, and I don't know if I a similar thing, but I think really, I don't know, I had sort of, like, there was definitely, like, some degree of support uh, from family and friends, but there was also a lot of concern, mm. you know, and a lot of, like, you know, I mean, I at that point had practiced law for half as long as I'd been in law school for, and so you just start to look flaky at that point, and you're like, I'm going to open a mac and cheese restaurant. It's not like you're saying, like, I'm going to open a taco place or a burger place. Like, no one's ever, there, there was no mac and cheese restaurant, so mm-hmm. people were like, this is crazy. You know, like, I think people were, like, concerned that I was a little off filter so um <laughs> that's really hard when you know you're really questioning yourself you're doing something really scary but it sounds like and, you both just trusted yeah. your gut and i think that's one lesson uh, i mean you're not going to hit everything out of the park yeah but you're not going to be super successful unless you take a risk and do something that's niche yeah. and do something that's unique and that really stands out. I mean, those unique selling propositions are so important when you're trying to open a restaurant because there's so many restaurants. Like, what makes you different? You know, I think that's great that you followed your gut and followed through with that. So you talked about not having enough money, but you you definitely had something. You had it, the it factors. So what were these it factors that you had that you think most contributed to your success? And I'm talking about habits, characteristics, uh, qualities that are needed to be successful. I guess we'll start with Allison. Go for it. Sure. Um, well, I think when we first started, something that um, something that really contributed to our success was just how passionate we were and how invested we were. I mean, this wasn't some little side projects that we were doing. I mean, like Aaron, like Aaron said, it was, it was our life savings. I mean, mm. for me, you know, my husband and I were like, my husband's family lives in Columbia. We're like, if this doesn't work out, we are moving to Columbia because we are freaking broke. Like, you know, we were, <laughs> we were all in and there was no other, there was really no other choice but to make this, to make this work. And I think that, I mean, not only that we had the drive and the passion, but we were both, you know, like really, really smart about it. And when we turned over every rock, we, you know, did talk to tons of restaurant owners. We found out what our, you know, percentages are supposed to be for things. We took the absolute worst case scenario that when we were doing our business plan, it's like, okay, what happens if we only sell like 100 mac and cheeses a day? Like, can if we sell that like small of an amount, can we still make this work? So we tried to be, you know, so, so conservative with our numbers to make sure that, like, no matter what, when we open, like, this is going to work. Mm. Um, I think another thing that we were really smart about was, you know, we did a ton of marketing before we opened. We did lots of underground farmer's markets. We, you know, got our name out there as much as possible. And so on the day that we opened, we had a line out the door. You know, Mm. we had a free party for press before we opened. We, you know, we did everything that we could that people knew that there was a Mac Cheese place opening in Oakland. So, we had quite a bit of a. I'm happy you went there because I knew this, uh, Allison. You had the marketing background, correct? And I'm sure that those you you know those experiences you had in your life prior to opening the restaurant, you with your marketing, Aaron with their law, were huge contributing factors. Uh, Things that you maybe might have took for granted, knowledge that you had to do certain things to promote yourself to protect yourself on the law side you know um are there any other if factors allison you want to add before we have Aaron take a whack at it um yeah i mean i think another another 
factor um, when we actually did open was, you know, how we treated our employees and just, you know, the type of leaders that we were. And we definitely had a lot to learn when we first opened. But I think that, like, um, you know, like, for me, I really try to be, like, really motivating and, you know, inspirational. And I really, like, I try to, my best to get people to love what they're doing and to, and to feel that their job really matters to them. And I think that that meant a lot. And we were such a mess when we first opened. And we only had, you know, like we said, 14 people. But getting them to actually, like, believe in you and believe in the dream and, and be a part of this amazing new new business, I think that actually helped a lot, too. Awesome. Great yeah. stuff. Take it away, Erin. I think that there's definitely a lot of things from our prior, you know, professions that helped. I mean, I do think, like, um, you know, at least for me personally, I think being good at, like, sort of big-picture thinking and long-term planning and strategic thinking about how to do stuff is really helpful. I think that um, I think that we both have a really, honestly, like, a really good, good eye for design, which was really helpful. Like, Allison had a beautiful, like, in addition to marketing, had a beautiful um, blog that she used to have that was dedicated to food. So, I mean, you know, she built out our website. Like, we both really built out the restaurant itself. Mm -hmm. And I think that we also had a really, um, I mean, if you could be sort of, like, professional eaters, I think we had also both been that, like, our whole (laughs) lives. And we really, really paid attention to the look and the feel of restaurants and had really internalized it. And I think, um, and, like, really, I mean, sort of amateurishly studied it. And I think that was really, really helpful. And I think, honestly, more than anything, it's that we're both, I think we're fortunate that our visions really aligned. Like, we really didn't have conflict over that, which is hugely <laughs> beneficial because mm-hmm. I know that that, like, takes down business empires. Um, but uh, I think we're also really, really driven and really, really results-oriented. And that helps because if you have, like, the vision component but then you don't have the drive to follow through and make it happen, or if one of you does and the other one doesn't, then you would have such tension that the relationship would fall apart. So I really think that the combination of, like, the vision, strategic planning, and, like, a tremendous drive and follow-through um, because you just get told no, like, for so many things so many times that – if you let that get to you, it's really not going to work. So, I mean, I think those were our huge and continue to be our, our huge advantages. And when we see people who are, you know, truly entrepreneurs versus, you know, maybe managers or, you know, people who are great readers for other people, I, I'd say that's really critical. Awesome. Great it factors. Just to summarize, Allison, with, well, I guess this would be both of you, but, uh, Allison, with your marketing and your just your ability to create buzz and that experience, your you know desire to do the research, uh, your leadership capabilities to motivate and inspire, and then Aaron, your uh, you know your logistical planning and your strategy, uh, your eye. We both had that eye for design, but your clarity and what you wanted, and this is huge. Both of you together, that drive and that passion, like you mentioned, but you mentioned it quickly, Aaron, is that your aligned visions. And I think that is so crucial to point out because especially when you have partners, if people are pulling in different directions, it's never going to work nicely. But when you, I think maybe that time you guys spent at the cafe, just dreaming and visioning and painting the picture of what you wanted to be was so crucial. Do you think that played a big role in the, the clarity and visioning? Oh yeah. This is Allison. I think that played a huge role. I think the fact that like Aaron and I did have, you know, such a shared, vision and you know in the first couple of of years we really like i mean even now still we're an awesome team and you know i think the our staff feels it our management team feels it and we you know because we have this shared vision and we're both working towards the same thing it you know it was really it was really pretty amazing i mean i think that in the beginning you know people would always ask us like well you know how do you guys separate responsibilities and who does what and in the beginning we both did everything and it, I mean, I actually think it worked out better that way because we both know how to do everything in the restaurant. You know, it's mm. not like one person did front of the house and the other person did back of the house. So, you know, only one of us could answer front of the house questions. You know, like we're both, we both did pretty much every position, not even pretty much, we both did every position in the restaurant for the first, you know, two years that we were, that we were opened and we, and we did it together side by side. And that I think helped a lot. 
Awesome. So we're talking about all these it factors and these successes you had as a team, but I think one of the things or one of the ways we really learn is by really focusing on those failures. So tell us about a time where you came short uh, in this process, or maybe it was in your personal lives before opening the restaurant. Um, and then tell us what you learned from that failure and how you know, you're better today because of it. Uh, well, this is uh, Aaron talking. Um, I definitely have a, a concrete one. Um, like, you know, part of our utopian beginning that we talked about was we really wanted to create the kind of place that, you know, we would have wanted to work. And I think because we're we're both entrepreneurs who are very self-directed, we really wanted a place that didn't have a lot of rules. We had always felt very, like, held back by these very, like, rule-bound, hierarchical workplaces. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really have any rules when we first opened. True um, You know, like our – that was sort of, in retrospect, like, absolutely crazy. But, um, you know, so, like, our vacation policy was just, you know, take as much time as you need. You know, you're a grown-up. Figure out, you know, what you need to sort of rejuvenate yourself and come back to things. And, you know, the dress code. And, um, you know, it was just like, wear whatever you want. And honestly, it – it actually caused like panic, basically, um, because people don't want to have to figure that stuff out. Mm-hmm. Like they don't want to ask themselves, like, "Shoot, if I go away for a week around this time, is that okay? Mm. Is that too much time? Are they like secretly judging me?" Or same with like you know clothes. Like we actually, so it's not like people wear a uniform, but um, you know, there's like basic rules. Like here's, you know, you should wear clothes so choose. And they just wanted some kind of guidance and mm. we really weren't giving it to them. And it really made people <laughs> feel <laughs> confused and unhappy. And it was this huge shock to us because we were like, oh, here we are creating this, you know, really free, wonderful place. And it, th- that freedom was actually oppressive. It was like not good. Mm. Um, so, you know, over time we've, really trying to figure out, you know, what are the kinds of things that people need as, like, guidelines to feel comfortable at work versus the kind of freedoms that are actually significant and make mm-hmm. a meaningful difference in, in their daily lives. So, you know, I think we have better balances of things like that now. You know, that that failure would be <laughs> sometimes, like, your first stab at something is just, like, so dead wrong, you no, know. Yeah, that's, that's a great example. I, I love your approach of, of trying to create an environment where people can f- feel free to be themselves and have that, that freedom of just individ- individuality. But at the same time, like you said, people need that vision, that picture of what perfection looks like. They need that guidance. They need some kind of p- picture to be painted for them. Uh, because like you mm-hmm. said, it's just frustrating. It's confusing otherwise. And I think that's a, that was an incredible example of the significance of offering guidance. Is there anything else you want to add to that, Allison? Uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely have a concrete failure that I could add to that. Um, when we first opened, um, when we were planning out the restaurant, we knew we wanted to be a full-service restaurant. We knew we wanted servers, you know, sit-down service. About, I don't know, like a month or two before we actually opened the doors, we let someone who had a lot more restaurant experience than us convince us that we needed to do counter service. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was really sort of insistent and she had you know she made good points and we were like wow maybe we're making a big mistake doing full service maybe we should do counter service so at the last minute we changed around all of our plans we bought a pos system that was better for counter service we set up our whole bar area for counter service and we basically like went against our gut and changed our whole system to be counter service and it lasted three days and it was a complete failure Mm. i mean it was the service was terrible the you know we couldn't figure out a good way to line people up i mean it was really really it was really bad so we did it for three days and then we had to change our whole system again and go back to full service which is pretty much you know it's a huge part of our success right now it's just the vibe and the experience you get when you eat in our restaurant and you know, we just we should have followed our gut. We should have, you know, stuck to what we knew was going to work instead of letting someone else has, has a lot more experience really convince us of something that we, you know, pretty much knew wouldn't work. Awesome stuff. Two great failures and awesome outcomes of takeaways, what you learn from those failures. Thank you mm-hmm. so much for sharing. So we crushed the first half of this interview. You guys are just doing an amazing job. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsor, and we'll be right back. You guys are crushing it, by the way. I'm loving this. Seriously. All right. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> 
If you're a fan of Restaurants Unstoppable, odds are you've heard of Hot Schedules. So many of my successful guests are brand ambassadors of this service, but there's so much more than scheduling. They've got some big things going on. In fact, you should see their logbook. They've taken the best of the manager's red book, you know, the red book that's been around for over 20 years, and combined it with their shift management and communication tools to create a mobile app complete with task lists, to-dos, follow-ups, and of course, the shift log. It sits as a tab right inside Hot Schedules or as a standalone app. Your team is definitely going to thank you for this level of communication and accountability. If you want to learn more about how shifts get done using Hot Schedules Logbook or get a demo, go to go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. Again, that's go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. One more time, go.hotschedules.com slash unstoppable. All right, uh, we are back, and the first question I have for you is on the topic of getting started. Um, you know, how did you raise the capital? How did you, what was the process like of you guys funding, you know, getting the funds to get started? What advice do you have for somebody out there who's going through that right now? <laughs> uh, well, this is Aaron laughing. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we couldn't get literally anyone to give us money. Uh, <laughs> like, we put together that business plan to try to go and shop around the bank, and, you know, they were like, no. <laughs> uh, so we had to go directly from our own bank accounts, like money we had both set aside to hopefully buy houses one day. Wow. Um, we had to take out tremendous credit cards. So you literally that. did burn the ship. There was no going back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it worked out. I mean, tell us, I mean, dive deeper. I mean, what are the, some of the things we need to know if that's the route we're going? Would your you know, advice be so not to do that? But, well, I mean, no, I think that it also depends. I mean, we were doing this like literally during the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. Like, um, so that was part of it. I think today, <laughs> If we were in a similar circumstance, we probably could have gotten money from Selmar, even just a private investor that we could have convinced to put money behind mm-hmm. us. You know, there was just really nothing at that time. So I think it's like a different, it's a, it's a different climate. Um, but, you know, the upside of doing it with all your own money and having no investors, if you can pull it off, is that then you have complete freedom if you're successful and you also get to reap 100% of the benefits. Um which is really, really nice. So, I mean, it's on one hand a really freaking scary way to do it. But on the other, like, it's so nice that we don't answer to investors. Like, mm-hmm. we just answer to ourselves. And, um, you know, so when we want to make decisions to put money in certain places to help grow the company, we don't have to justify if it's going to make that person more money in the long run. Mm-hmm. We just think that it's right to us. And that's a huge, huge freedom. Okay. So. I think if you do have the faith in yourself and you can pull it together on your own, it's certainly the best way to go. I don't know. Allison, would you? Yeah, no, I would definitely agree with that. And I know that, you know, since this is the first, you know, restaurant that Aaron and I have ever owned, we don't know any different because we've never had investors. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what we hear from other people, too, is like once you take someone else's money, everything changes. Oh, yeah. And we really, you know, we've been so lucky that we, even though we had, such a tight budget and it was so difficult to get this money together i mean i feel really lucky that we were able to do it without having to get invested mm-hmm. so, you know for every for all the reasons Aaron was saying so for someone that's out there listening to this right now who's in a similar situation that you two were in with a really you know bootstrapped tight budget what advice do you have yeah i mean i would say that you know if you can do it without investors then do it i mean you could do there's all these crowdsourcing sites that you could do now. I like try Kickstarter, you know, try any option that you can that you wouldn't have to give up equity or that you wouldn't have to answer to investors. I mean, I know it's not always possible. I mean, but if you can, I, that's definitely the direction that I would advise people so to go. Where were you focusing the bulk of your money uh, to get started? Because, I mean, you had a limited amount to work with. So how did you prioritize? Like, what were you, like, what was, <laughs> what was your thought process? I mean, it was literally whatever we could do ourselves, we did. Mm -hmm. Um, And in truth, it's actually financially not the wisest 
move, I think, for most people. Like, we opened many months later than we could have with a proper budget because, I mean, like, our husbands were building the tables. Mm-hmm. Me and Allison, like, built the chandeliers. We literally sealed the floors ourselves. Like, we did all this stuff that takes absolutely forever. Mm-hmm. And had we been open and generating income, I mean, we could have been paying that back a lot quicker so, so you know you could have done it, it again would you have scaled maybe started smaller and worked into the space i think we would have tried i mean i don't know i think we should have taken if we could go back maybe <laughs> leveraged ourselves even a little bit yeah. further mm-hmm. and not done all of the work our, ourselves and gotten some people who could do it a lot faster mm. to do it or be willing to accept like Maybe not the absolute perfect chairs that we're the most excited about. It took us like two months to, you know, <laughs> like stain and seal and, you know, all these other things. Um, but, you know, chairs that like look cute that people could sit on that we could have had there in a day, um, because all those days of not being open was lost income. And, um, yeah. So, but also, I mean, we didn't know how successful we were going to be when we opened. Mm-hmm. We didn't want to get. We don't want to get ourselves into debt that we couldn't yeah, pay off. Because right. what would happen, you know, if it was a slow opening and we weren't as successful as we were, and we did end up, you know, using contractors for more things or putting, you know, chairs on credit cards or things like that, and we couldn't pay it off, we'd really be screwed. So it's mm. really tough to say. I mean, knowing what we know now and now that we actually know how to run a restaurant and how to open one, we definitely would not do it the way that we did. But considering it was our first venture, um, I think that, you know, we actually did do it the smart way. I mean, we didn't have a huge operating budget, but we also didn't have a hundred thousand dollars debt either. Mm. No, absolutely. Great advice. I mean, is there anything yeah. else that you want to add before we move on? Yeah, um get people to barter. <laughs> you, know, we, uh, <laughs> awesome. you know, we a lot of people that you know, that worked with us were super excited about our idea and really wanted to help us out. We couldn't afford to pay them everything that they would normally get. So you know, like our architects worked partly for mac and cheese. The the guy who sold us the building, we he gets free mac and cheese for life because he gave us a <laughs> good deal on the building. Um, awesome. So yeah, don't sell your product short because anyone will work for food. Great stuff. <laughs> and uh, we're gonna dive a little bit deeper now on the incredible advice you've already been giving us on hiring people and getting that initial, uh, you know, just team of awesome people and then to continue to get great people working for you. I mean, you've already said it a few times, the power of uh, the visioning and making your business about other people. And I think that's one of the the huge contributing factors to your success. So do you want to add anything, any other little pieces of of advice on hiring, the questions you're asking, the things you're looking for, for the people that are listening in? (laughs) That was a timely question. We're in the process of actually like totally revamping our entire hiring process to account for all the things we've learned and would like to do better. (laughs) So what what are you doing differently now? Why did you change? You know, well, when we started, because it was so much smaller, you know, Allison and I generally met with people, interviewed them ourselves, so much of it was based on gut feeling. When you run, when you get to a certain point, that's really unsustainable. And also, you just learn how bad your gut is at often picking the right people, Mm. you know. So, I don't know, we spent a lot of time studying, like, really actually trying to define like what exactly are like the core values of our company and what are the kinds of questions that are going to tell us in a real way whether those values are shared because they're not necessarily better or worse than values someone might have but they're ones that are important to mm-hmm. to function at homeroom so um really like unifying questions, coming up with, like, our sort of sample good answers, coming up with, like, sample, like, red flag answers of, you know, the types of things that we've heard that we know don't end up working in our culture. Mm -hmm. Um, You know... Give me an example uh, of a red flag answer. um, Well, we're a really, really collaborative culture, and so... um, you know, and there's nothing better or worse about being very individualistic uh, or very collaborative, but some, most people tend towards one or the other. Mm-hmm. And people who are highly individualistic, particularly on the management level, have really repeatedly failed uh, at Homeroom because, you know, people who work with us have the expectation that their voice is going to be heard and processes are going to be collaborative and it's going to be a team effort. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's not 
that's not always something that we were really aware of hiring for, and we're really aware of it now, only from having not hired for it on multiple occasions. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that that is probably, I mean, I guess the advice that would be universal is just, you know, telling a business person, you know, or an aspiring entrepreneur is to really get clear on what your what your values are that you're hoping will be shared by the mm. people that work with you and that you think is essential Absolutely. to the functioning of your team. And then asking questions or even doing little like games or exercises that get at the heart of those qualities. Yeah, you person. you really need to paint that center line for people. Like you mentioned earlier, like you need to paint the picture of what some you need to give people some guidance and those values those core values are such a great uh guiding factor when it comes to finding the right people i couldn't agree more um that was allison correct no that was oh Aaron. crap Sorry, do you want to add anything to that allison yeah, um, I think, you know, along with the values, another another part of our equation that's really important to us and helps with hiring is our mission statement. So we, you know, our mission statement is to be the best part of people's day. Mm. So one of the things that we, you know, always ask people in interviews or we really check out in the first week or two that someone's working for us is the things that you can do to be the best part of someone's day. Mm. And we mean it equally for guests and for employees. So how do you make your coworkers day better? What are little things that you can do to make sure that, you know, all of our guests are getting are having the best part of their day? Awesome. So it's it. really, you know, yeah, I mean, you know, like Aaron was saying, just knowing what your values are, knowing what your mission statement is and being and finding just a very clear way of hiring for that to make sure that the people that you bring on your team share share those values and are excited about them. Awesome. And there's no doubt you ladies have created an awesome culture. And culture is so important when it comes to retaining your employees. And that's something I want to tap on now. Uh, quickly, you had mentioned earlier open book. And I, and I put the brakes on because I wanted to bring it back up for this opportunity to talk about employee retention. And talk to me about the impact of culture and how having open books has influenced your success. Sorry, I don't know. No, you want to no there's, <laughs> there's a lot there. Well, Allison, you were talking yeah. about a book before. I don't know if you want to go on that. Yeah. I mean, we've been doing it for probably about two years now. And I think that um, especially on the manager level, it, it helps so much that they get a big picture view of, of this business that they're a part of. And it really helps them learn what it's like to run a business. And I think because of it, I mean, we have managers who have been with us since the day that we've opened. So we have very, very low turnover at, um, actually throughout the restaurant, but especially on our, our manager level with the people who actually are on the floor at the restaurant running shifts and at our to-go location because they really, they're so invested and they know, they know the key metrics that they need to, to hit to make the business successful. And that mm-hmm. more importantly, they know how to move those metrics. So, mm-hmm. you know, our, assistant general manager who checks our labor percentage, he, you know, he's making sure that people are not working overtime. He's making sure that people are clocking in and out correctly. And he sees that his efforts are making a huge difference on our bottom line. And so that's, huge. that's, you know, awesome. that's empowering. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and all of our managers have the same, the same experience. They all track something that's, you know, very important and meaningful to them. Mm-hmm. No, totally. And the other thing too that it's it's huge, and what it does is you mentioned earlier the whole purpose of this this restaurant was to create a place where people wanted to be uh, a place an employment a place to employ others where people are just happy and they wanted to go to work. And when you're you're teaching people how to run a business, they're growing so much personally. There's so much more than you know that happens when you go to a job where you're being taught how to run a business successfully. I mean, you're growing and that, that growth is just crucial to the self-fulfillment and just happiness. I mean, I'm, I'm just rambling at this point, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll let you uh, yeah. finish my, my jarble. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I couldn't agree more. And where did you learn more? Um, or where did you learn about open book management? Like what was your resource really uh, to, to implement this into your, your restaurant? Well, we are huge fans of Zingerman's in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Um, we we take lots of business courses with them. You know, the the owners there are mentors to us, along with like other people who work there. And we've been huge fans of them for for years. And we you know we took a course with them on open book management, and that's where we learned about it and how to implement it. And um, yeah, we just really like fell in love with the whole idea with the whole idea of it. Yeah, it's awesome, Ari. Uh... 
Weinswag was a guest on the show, and he is oh, awesome. Nice. Yeah. Uh, they have a they have they call it Zing Train. If you're interested, I'll yeah, in the show notes. That's but, that's where we go. For yeah, the class. yeah, we go awesome. every single year to a different one. Great, yeah. thank you for sharing that. And um, let's talk about another struggle that you're that you're having. Something that you see coming down the pipeline. Something that you're bracing for impact about. I mean, what what scares you in the future? Um, well, Aaron, you know, one is that as we've grown, it, it has been more and more challenging to um, find ways of staying true to, like, our mission of really being the best part of people's day for um, everyone who works with us. I think we actually have done a great job of remaining true to it for our guests, so that's pretty awesome. Um, but, you know, like, when you're smaller, it's a lot easier to um, to give people, like, you know, knowledge and access and, you know, everything that you keep growing and the kind of individual attention it takes to really grow. Mm-hmm. Um, and the bigger you get, the more, you know, like I, it just reached a point where I think somewhere around like 50 employees, honestly, like it got to a point where it's like too big for, you know, me and Allison to be doing that. And you really move into a mode where you're like, wow, how do we really teach a whole level of management and a whole level of staff and how do we have, like, better training systems that are all working towards creating really great professional development? And that's, like, a huge system to develop. And it, it used to be something that was very informal and on a personal level. Mm-hmm. So that's something that we're constantly working on um, and that we know we have room for improvement. So um, so the, the and, answer to solve that problem of growing – so big that it's hard for you to meet that uh, initial demand that's in your your mission statement to give that individual attention to growth for all of your employees. So, what was your solution to create a system to really give well, attention to? Well, I think that fundamentally, like when you break it down, you know what we're me and Allison doing on a personal level that becomes impossible when you get bigger is that we're really paying attention to people as individuals and how they're growing and what types of knowledge and experience they would need to like make the next steps in their careers and how do we give that to them and how do we you know basically pay attention to people's individual growth and development um, within your company and also just on a personal level and how satisfied they are and so yeah I mean you at some point have to make systems that do that and systems that teach other people to, you know, how to develop people basically mm. and how to develop talent and how to develop knowledge. And it can't be imparted on this like informal one-on-one basis. Um, mm. But I think it's actually a good thing. I think you're a much stronger company when, when you've developed that and that's being done by a, a large number of people as opposed to, you know, a few. Mm. So I don't think it's a bad thing, but it's definitely a challenging shift. Um, no, for sure. I'm know. interested to see how that works out. Maybe I'll follow up in a couple of months to see how you're doing with that. Uh, sure. <laughs> so what was the other challenge you wanted to share? It sounds like I, I may have cut you off. Oh, yeah. So the second one is that um, we feel like we're relatively close to having sort of achieved our original vision for the restaurant. And, you know, we've talked about the significance of vision um, in really – being great. Uh, and so we're working on our next one uh, right now, which is going to be for 10 years out. And we've been really struggling with it. We've been trying to work on it, I mean, really for the past year. And um, it's almost like uh, it's so great because we have so many great options, but so many great options that it's like almost paralyzing. So I think it's clear to us that we really need to have um, this vision because it's really the guide point for the company, mm-hmm. um, but it's been challenging. So we actually just, <laughs> back to Zingerman, just hired them to come in and help mm-hmm. us with it and help um, help us along with the process and figuring out how to um, narrow the field of possibilities and, and put together something that we're really excited about and that our team is really excited about. Just a disclosure, we do not work with Zingermans. I'm not purposely plugging Zingermans. They're not paying me to say all these great things about <laughs> what they're doing. It's, it's really a great company. And, uh, they have some awesome yeah. books out there uh, to learn more. I'll, like, uh, I've linked to them. They're in the, if you go to restaurantstoppable.com slash books, you'll find all of this series of books. He's some great stuff. And you can learn a ton about visioning from Ari Weinswag. So let's move on. Uh, talking about books. Uh, I think I might have an idea of what you're going to recommend, but if there are like a handful of books that you could list and share with us that are just must reads for anybody looking to be successful in this industry, what would they be? (laughs) 
Well, yeah, I mean, in this specific, this is Allison, in this specific industry, I mean, I know we were just <laughs> plugging Zingerman's like crazy, but Ari's books are pretty amazing. Yeah. And pretty much for any industry. I mean, his book, like, um, Building a Great Business, uh, it was one of the first um, business books that I've read, and it was really inspirational, a really, like, good story, easy to read, tons of great advice. Um, I would definitely recommend that What's one. one um, lesson? Just pull one, like, bomb of knowledge from that book that you can share. Um, I think the big, the big one on that one, at least for me, was, you know, getting down your core values. I mean, that he talks a lot about values in that book and how important it is to know your mission and to know your values. And at the time that I was reading the book, we our values, I think, were not solidified. And, you know, just reading that was like, whoa, it's true. Like, how do you attract people to your business? How do you keep people at your business? Like, how do you, how do you even know what you stand for if you don't have your values written down and you don't share them with your staff? I mean, that was really, it seems so obvious, you know, but something that is, very easy to forget when you're in the initial phases mm -hmm. of, of building a restaurant. So I think just, you know, having that spelled out like, oh, wow, like this is something very big that's missing right now and we need to get on it. Great. So what are so the I think that you wanted to recommend? Sorry for making it that deeper here. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think another one that, you know, was really great that I read early on was, you know, Danny Myers setting the table. Mm -hmm. And I think that um, especially in this industry, he's got lots of great advice about how to make you guest experience truly special. Uh, and something that, you know, I pulled out of that book that, you know, our staff does once in a while and I think it's just a really cool thing to do on a nightly basis is you choose three tables and you make their experience truly unforgettable on any given night. You know, you go out of your way to be like what you can do and for us to be, you know, the absolute best part of their day. And, you know, if everyone does that three tables a night, then everyone, almost everyone in the restaurant is going to be getting this fantastic, amazing experience that they tell people about and they, you know, that's, something that they will keep coming back for. Um, so I thought that was I thought that was pretty cool. That was a, a good little a nugget from the Danny yeah, Myers sure. book that also had tons of tons of great advice in there for awesome. for restaurants in particular. Aaron, what do you have locked and loaded for us? Um I have like a pretty extensive library. I'm really <laughs> obsessed with reading business books. Um but one of my favorite authors is Bo Burlingham. Oh yeah. Who yeah, so he wrote Small Giants, and he also wrote Finish Big. And I think that just his, like, writing style and his storytelling is really great because he just goes into a number of businesses and talks about them. But, um, you know, Small Giants is really about companies that made, um, you know, had decision points in their lifespans where they had the option just to grow huge, and they decided to be you know, great, um, however they define that. And yeah. I think that that's really valuable, um, just really valuable advice because, you know, many people starting a business, their biggest dream is just going to be that it's just a huge revenue-generating machine and that's what it does. And there's plenty of books out there to tell you how to, like, maximize profitability. But there's not a lot of books that focus on, like, hey, you know, what if you are defining your success by different metrics than mm. just money? And it's okay to do that. And here are some companies that did, and they're pretty amazing. And it turns out that you do actually generate quite a lot of revenue when you have, you know, um, when you're promoting like other better values. Better yeah. motives, I guess. Yeah. So I, I really like that. And, and Finish Big, he also is, basically encourages you to think about, like the exit of your business when when you start it, like what does that mean? And I think that does get down to the core values. Like, are you someone who's just doing this to because you want to make a lot of money? Because that's going to have a really different trajectory than someone who's doing this as a passion business or mm -hmm. someone who's doing this for a cause or you know, really think about what you're hoping to get out of something. So I think you know the basic thing with his books that very um, he writes about people who are very thoughtful about the business. Awesome stuff. That. And we're almost at an hour. I just want to make sure you ladies don't have any place to be, right? <laughs> I'm not going to. No. <laughs> just, we have double trouble, two guests on. And when they're just dropping the advice that you two ladies are dropping, I just let them go. So we're going to be a little long today. I hope you guys don't mind who are listening in, but it's all worth it. I, I just know that there's just no stopping you two. I'm going to let you just run. So 
the next question I have for you is on the topic of technology. I mean, I, I think the best uh, description of technology is that it can be an accelerator of your systems and processes. It can close gaps and help you be more productive, more efficient, more profitable. So what are some of the technologies that you're leveraging in your restaurant that you'd like to share with our listeners? <laughs> we um, we actually have a ton of different platforms that we use that have been super helpful to us. Um, we use a lot, you know, we do online ordering, and I think, you know, something that's been helpful for our customer, on the customer side is, you know, you could pretty much order through our website, through Facebook, through um, your mobile phone. We have an app, and we have what we call a fly-through lane that if you order through any of those um, any of those online platforms, you pull up to the side of the to-go space, and we bring the food out to your car which has just been, it's so popular so, and really helpful. I'm on your website, and it looks like the service you're using is called Caviar? Yeah, well, Caviar is another one. So Caviar, we do delivery <laughs> to them. So, yeah, we have, like, we really, like, we have tons of different kinds of oh, platforms I see, I that see. we use. What, which yeah, platform so it's are called Chow Now. For? Chow Now, okay, sorry. Yeah, and and they're amazing. They do, you know, all of our online ordering. Um yeah, so between, like, you know, the online platforms that we use um, internally, we use Hot Schedules for our scheduling. Yeah. And Hot Schedules is pretty incredible. I mean, it allows our staff to swap shifts, request time off. You know, they get text messages when shifts are released. I mean, it really it makes scheduling so much easier than, you know, doing it manually or using an Excel spreadsheet or something. Yeah, and Hot Schedules so, is really expanding their platform. Are you leveraging any of the other services that they offer? Not yet. We've been looking into it. I mean, we do. We use something called In the Weeds for yeah. our. We have like an online logbook, and it records things like when people call in sick or people are late or things like that. And Hot Schedules does that as well. Mm-hmm. So we're in the process actually of trying to combine a lot of the different things that we use into one service, and whether it's Hot Schedules or something else. But yeah, we're just starting to look into all the other things that Hot Schedules does. Awesome, great. Those are some awesome services. Uh, First time caviar has been mentioned on the show, and uh, Chat Now is starting to be mentioned more and more. So I'm excited to follow that company as well. Great stuff. Is there anything else you want to add before we move on? No, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think so. I'm curious. Is there anything you're using? I, I see that you don't do any reservations. Is there a way you uh, control that aspect of the business? Um, <laughs> yeah, by not, uh, <laughs> but not allowing it. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think. It's definitely more and more common. I mean, I think it's just not realistic for restaurants that want mm-hmm. to have um, an affordable price point like we do. I mean, the, the business model for that is basically that um, you can keep things really affordable if you can flip those tables a lot of times. So get lots of people to sit at them, eat their dinner, leave, and seat the next people. Um, and reservations basically work exactly the opposite of that. Where, um, So... Yeah, we we just basically wouldn't be able to afford to keep our prices what they are and offer the experience that we do if we had reservations. So it is it is too bad um, because if you want to come to homeroom to celebrate something like a birthday, you you might have to wait uh, for a long time for a table. Um, But you know it's it's become sort of an embedded part of the experience and people sort of like bond hanging out on the sidewalk. So it sounds silly, but I think in a, in a bizarre way, it's actually, I mean, it's been beneficial on multiple levels where it sort of creates this like fun, sometimes waiting experience for people um, that they just know is part of, is part of homeroom. Interesting. Cool. Awesome stuff. All right. So if there's like one piece of business advice that you can go back in time the past version of yourself, your two ladies are sitting in the cafe and you can just go sit down with the two of or the four of you, I guess, <laughs> and have a conversation with the past versions of yourself. What would you, what advice would you give yourself? Uh, this is Aaron. Um, I, I would have said to like hire a lot more help a lot earlier. Mm. And, and this advice remains true at every single step in the game for us. Um, you know, we started with an, I, we didn't know any better, but we started with an opening staff that was just really too small, and it took us almost a year to recover from that really poor decision. Um, we were just afraid to hire more people. We didn't know. But when you're starting from a place of being having not enough people around to help, then it makes things run even worse, and then it's even harder to attract people. <laughs> so, you know, it becomes this, like, really tough cycle to get out of. And... um 
I don't know. I think that, you know, Allison and I are also, you know, we're doers. And so we just like to have our hand in everything and do it. And um, every time we've added more help, it has really allowed us to focus our time better and to do the things that matter more and that have the highest impact. And I, I just think, yeah, we uh, should have done more of that earlier. And I think we continue to, like, we could, I, I don't know. It, it's hard to let go, but I think uh, it's it's a good thing to keep narrowing what matters and where you can have the highest impact and really trying to focus your time there and oh, for sure. getting other people to do everything else. Yeah. So, Allison, anything to add? Yeah. I mean, um, similar to what Aaron was saying, I would just I would just say, you know, like always look ahead. I think that we really get bogged down in the day to day and the fires that we're putting out each and every week that come up that for us, especially when we were starting out, it was really hard for us to look ahead, whether that was, you know, hiring people sooner or expanding sooner. You know, like we opened a to-go location with a bigger kitchen sort of because we got to the point that we could absolutely do no more mac and cheese in the tiny kitchen that we had. And it took us getting to that point to be like, oh, crap, we need a bigger kitchen. Mm. So, you know, just to look ahead sooner and to try not to, get bogged down in the day-to-day to, to see what you're going to need next year and two years, three years down the road. Awesome stuff. So, ladies, if there's any questions I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to this interview, what would they be? Oh, I was just going to sort of congratulate you. Or I, think, um... <laughs> I mean, we, we luckily do, like, a decent number of interviews for various things, but you were very thoughtful. and Thank you. Um yeah, no, I this, appreciate this that. Really I've great, got a big a smile on my face. <laughs> Thank you so much. It means a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, no, I would agree. This was this was a really interesting uh, interview. Thank you. Well, I mean, I'm glad. You were a great One of guest. the things that we thanks. I mean, most of the time, I think the question that we get asked most, and pretty much the first question people ask us all the time, is why mac and cheese. Um, and I was really actually happy that you didn't know. (laughs) 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 Well, awesome stuff. Thank you so much. We're going to wrap it up. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out, somebody you admire in this industry, somebody you think would be a great guest mentor. Like the two of you ladies were today. Who do you have for us? Man, um, well, that, there's so many people, but uh, this is Aaron. Someone that I think is really incredible and inspires me is Amy Simmons, the owner um, of Amy's Ice Cream in Austin, Texas. Uh, they're a very employee-focused company and um, have, I mean, I was talking in this interview about how we're really trying to develop our, our like training and education. And, I mean, they literally run this thing called Amy's University, and it's just this very inspirational thing that they've developed over the course of, you know, more than 20 years that is really just about, like, sort of profound personal development at work, and they're an ice cream place. So um, I think... And that was Amy Simmons? Amazing. Amy Simmons of Amy's Ice Cream. Awesome. Was this Allison speaking? No, that was Go ahead, Allison, if you have any recommendations. Um, yeah, I mean, someone who I actually just met with last week, um, who I really admire is Robin Fisher of Mitten Ice Cream, who's also in San Francisco. Um, and I, they just have like such an awesome brand and I love her story and she's also, you know, very true to her values and she's the employees well and she was able to grow from, you know, like one ice cream shop to six in the Bay Area and they're moving on to LA and yeah, I just think that they have a really, a really awesome business model and I, I really admire her. Awesome. Look out, ladies. I am coming after you. It would be the first time we get some ice cream folks on the show, so I'm excited about that. Um, let, the folks, <laughs> let the folks at home know how we can connect with you. If they want to pick up the conversation, or maybe they want to come join your team if they're in the Oakland area, what's the best way to connect? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we are always looking for you know top-notch management, so anyone who uh, has great leadership skills, definitely come our way. But yeah, you could reach us. We have an, you know, an email address that comes directly both to, uh, to me and to Aaron. It's info at homeroom510.com. So yeah, send us an email, you know, say hi, whatever. Awesome. Yeah. And if you go to the website, it's also there just under contact yeah. us. It'll just directly send it to us. So mm-hmm. awesome. Well, Allison and Aaron, thank you so much. Your passion's awesome. Your energy was great. Uh, there is no questioning you two are unstoppable. 
Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much. What an awesome interview with Aaron and Allison. Thank you so much, ladies. Uh, just so much great advice packed into this episode. And what really resonated with me today was your advice on just, you know, having that vision, having that mission, and having that center line, and just knowing what you're all about so your employees know what you're all about, so you can find people who are right for your business because you defined who you are. And then also the importance of just guidance and you learned early on you made that mistake that you know we we want people to feel free and to express themselves and we don't want to have all these crazy rules where people are suppressed but at the same time you need to offer that guidance and you need to create that picture of what perfection looks like so people aren't lost and aren't confused and aren't unhappy because we do need that structure just a little bit of structure to to be successful and then also the whole idea of being great, not big. Uh, Bo Burlingham's book, Small Giants, Those Who Choose to Be Great Instead of Big, is something I'm definitely going to have to check out. It's been on my radar for a while, but I'm, I'm going to go order that right now because I want to learn more. And I think we can all agree that Aaron and Allison are incredible examples of what happens when you are great and not just big. Great lessons here, some great resources recommended uh, from the books, the tools they're using. So you can head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash 196 to find all those links to everything we discussed from Zing Train to the books they recommended to those tools they, they recommended all right there. And uh, just before I let you guys go, I need to remind you to please support the show. It's easy to do. Leave a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio if you found value in this interview. Or just use my links every time you uh, link or click on a link to go to a book or to a service. There might be an affiliate link there. And if, if you do use those links, I get a little bit of a kickback. It's at no extra expense to you, and it helps support the show. So please do that. And then lastly, there is a page on the website. If you are just really into what I'm doing and you want to support this podcast, uh, you can leave a small donation or a big donation. I mean, I'm not going to hold you back, but anything you want to leave uh, to say thank you and to show your appreciation for the work I'm doing to create this melting pot of mentors for people in our industry, then yeah, head over there and uh, thank you so much for your support. All right, that is all I have. I'll stop my ramble. Uh, I'll let you go now well over an hour, but I think we'll all agree that it was worth letting these two ladies run because they were just such awesome guests. All right, until next time, peace out.